Are you? Everybody doing all right? You survived the football games yesterday? Yeah, let's just move on. How about that? Yeah, well, I'm glad that you're here today. We've beautiful weather after our last couple of funky days of weather. It's going to be beautiful outside for a minute and a half, and then it goes back south, right? And we get cold weather this week, all that kind of stuff. So enjoy it today. I'm glad that you're here. We're in the middle of, uh, well, actually, we're not in the middle. We're wrapping up this series called Clickbait, learning about the clickbait in our life, things that uh, draw our attention away from where it should be. You know, we, we created this series because it seems like this is one area that everybody shares with. Uh, just like the clickbait on the internet, there's an algorithm behind that that's learning you. It learns what you shop for, it learns the websites you go to, it learns your hobbies. Isn't that scary? All of that kind of stuff. It's learning that about That's why you get ads that are just for you. What's really scary is when you've never looked for something, but you just mention it in your house. You know, Like, hey, the car may need new tires. And then 30 minutes later, you get online and you have tire ads. It's Satan. I'm telling you, it's all Satan right there. The... This series, though, is just, it's, it's patterned just like that because we see that. We, we actually have this book called the Bible that's been around for, well, the Bible's actually been around about 1,700 years as we know it. I mean, a little bit different, but, but we've had some of this scripture for 5,000 years, and it, it helps us when we look back, we get to see real-life scenarios. We get to see real people like me and you that have walked through the clickbait of life. And we've seen them make good decisions, and we've seen them make bad decisions. And isn't it great, like when you come to church and you have an incredible worship time like we just had? I mean, that, that's incredible. Wouldn't it be even better if the pastor would give you something you could actually use during the week? Wouldn't it be awesome? And that's what, that's what my goal is in this entire series, is to give you practical stuff. Let's learn some of the Word of God, but let's also learn it, how it applies to us directly. Isn't that good? That'll help us out. So if you want to take notes, the Orange Bulletin every week has notes in it, that little paper that's on the inside, one side's announcements, things that are going on, like Fall Festival tonight, and the other side is our notes. Or you can also go to Version, which is the Bible app, and then go to Events, and I believe we're usually first on events. You can pull it up. You can email yourself the notes when you're done. You can add in some extra stuff. So anyways, it's a, it's a good way for you to take notes. It's a great one today because we're going to cover a little bit of passage today, a little bit of scripture today. We're going to talk about Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Mishael, all these different weirdos. All these weird names that you've always wondered, what's up with these names? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to learn there's a purpose for all of this weird stuff. You ever read the Bible and you think, this is weird? Really, just me, huh? I think that every single week. I read stuff that I have no idea, and I'm like, okay, Lord, why did you put that there? And that just gives me a reason to kind of research that out. It gives a reason to connect the dots, find out the whys on why is this here. Because every bit of it, 2 Timothy tells us, every bit of Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful. It's useful. It's useful for correcting and training, teaching. It's useful helping us grow. And that's what I want to do here today. We're going to jump over in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to talk about the, the clickbait of culture. Actually, it's Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start in Daniel 1, and we're going to talk about the clickbait of culture today. How just the world, culture, the where we live, how it tries to draw us away from living a life for God. Has anybody ever experienced that before? 
even our friends have, not on purpose, they're not like, you know what, my goal for this Friday night is to get Scott to walk away from his faith. They're not thinking that at all. They're just maybe not living for God, and that's their way of living. They want me to come over to that side. They want me to hang out with them or whatever the situation is, and we get to see a bunch of that in Daniel. Now, for those that were here last week, last week we talked about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, that whole building the wall, that actually happened about 100 years after what we're going to talk about today. So we're backing up 100 years. The Babylonians that we talked about last week that had raided Jerusalem, raided Israel, the whole country, Judah and Israel, and devastated Jerusalem, had taken a bunch of Jews captive. This is the first go-around. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are in that first group of slaves that they have taken. And then you get to see why these four young men were picked out in this passage today. And what does that mean for us? It's great to learn it, but how does that apply to us? So let's jump in. Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. We already knew that. I just said all that, right? All right? Okay. Verse 2. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. It's, like a, it's, a, it's a double diss because not only did they come to battle and come to war and win, But then they went into the temple and raided it. The one that had just been around a few hundred years raided it and took some of their articles, some of their precious things, and took it back to Babylonia and put it in their temple to their gods. Super, super tough. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. So here's where you get where these young men came from. It says, young men without any physical defect, handsome, a lot like me, showing aptitude, just saying if you're listening, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand. I guess I'd be more like Pastor Michael then, okay. Anyways, qualified to serve in the king's palace. You understand they had a high bar for these guys. They, they said, I want you to go find some of the king of Israel's, find some of their family members and nobility. Why? Because they had the best education. They had the the best resources to teach those young men, and I want them serving in in my service. And so that's that's where we're at. Verse 5, the king assigned them, no, let's see, halfway through. He said he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were going to eat the best. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen... Were some of the some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And that's where we start. Listen, as bad as it's ever been for us, as rough as it's ever been trying to live for God in your school, trying to live for God at work, trying to live for God in the hobbies or with the fellas or with the ladies, as bad as that's ever been, you've never been captured by a foreign country and put into slavery. And and my wife often asks me. Y'all pray for her, by the way. She's got the, the as my grandpa used to say, the mocus. We don't know what it is, probably the flu, but she is laying on the floor not feeling good today. So I feel terrible for her. But she always tells me when I give analogies, I always give the most extreme. Like my kids would come home and like they, you know, they um, made a D on a test. And I'll go, you know what? You're going to end up in prison with Ds. And my wife would go, Scott, they're in first grade. Settle down. <laughs> 
And I'm like, I don't want there to be any gray area. And I feel like so many times in Scripture we read the Bible, and it's like one extreme after the other extreme after the other extreme. Like this story is applicable for the most comfortable people on the planet ever in the history of the world, us. Before you start comparing, we have air conditioner. We have Amazon just announced one-day delivery for everybody. We have it all. Like, we have it all. You don't even have to plan. Oops, I forgot to order this. It's okay. It can be here tomorrow. Right? It's so comfortable. And how then does this crazy, extreme, killing their friends, capturing their city, taking the stuff out of their temple, taking it back to the pagan gods of Babylon, how could that ever relate to us? Because you know what? Here's one thing I've learned, and you shake your head if you agree with this, that in all the places, all the cultures of the world, whatever time in the world it is, people are people, period. We struggle with the same things. We, the, the richest people I know, the poorest people I know, we struggle with them in different variations, but we struggle with the same things in life. We struggle with the same inward things. We struggle with the same spiritual things. And here we have these four men that were chosen, and, and they're being kind of set up to succeed. They're going to put them through three years of training, food training, physical training, aptitude training, literature training, all of these things so that they will be good for the king's service. And then, verse 7. Verse 7 says, the chief official gave, the, gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Then it got real. Then their culture tried to change them. I want to tell you that first thing in your notes, I'm not even saying how it happens, but I want you to understand that the culture will try. It is it's on default to try to change you. That needs to be our mentality. You know what, like, listen, if I'm going to live for God, if I'm going to follow Christ, my, my goal in life is not to attend church. Can I get an amen? How many of you know, like, I am the church. You are the church. My goal is to go and be the church, not just attend, right? I love our services. Man, I, I don't know how I'd get along without them. I love it. It fires me up. It fuels me up. It teaches me and inspires me, all different kinds of things. But listen, I understand walking out of those doors every day that my Internet, because it's from culture, is trying to change me, that my TV, my radio, they're trying to change me. I have a lot of friends still that are, not serving Christ, not serving God, not following Jesus. And just by default, they're trying to change me. And how many of you know culture has changed a little bit in the last few years? Like when I was growing up, like we had, we had one TV. Here we go on the old history lesson, right? But I had one TV. And you know what? We would watch it. Not like my parents loved to watch I Love Lucy. And there were reruns from 15 years before that. I Love Lucy slept in separate beds. I always wonder how little Ricky ever got there. You know, like, these people don't even like each other. Why are we watching this? No, that's just, that's just the way it was. Do you know the Brady Bunch was the first show ever on TV where the husband and wife slept in the same bed? That's why you have six kids. There's a difference between little Ricky and six kids. Y'all write that down, all right? You get some retweets on that. But do you understand how culture, like nowadays... I'm not, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm just telling you, by default, culture wants to change us. They knew 
How did, how did they know? How did they know 2,500 years ago? How did they know? You know what? The first thing we need to start with, we need to change these guys' names. We need, we need to change the way they see themselves. We need to change their identity. And if you don't believe that that was their goal intentionally, I, I have it for you on the screen. Look, we're going to go through their names real quick. So Daniel, check this out. Daniel actually translates to God is my judge, but Belshazzar actually means Baal protect his life or Baal's prince, the Babylonian god, Baal. We're going to change these guys' identities. We're going to change them. When they look in the mirror, how they see themselves. When other people call their name, they're not calling God is my judge. Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine if, like, God loves you was your name? God is my hero. When they, when they said, hey, Scott, it's like, yeah, God's my hero. Can you imagine how, how that would just, your life would just be like, there's purpose to me. It's my identity. It's who I am. Yeah, they understood. Let, let's change this and redefine their purpose. How about Hananiah? Hananiah, the original word for God, one of the first is Yahweh has been gracious. What an incredible name to understand. That every time you say my name, yes, I'm, God's been gracious to me. He's been gracious to me to let me live. When I woke up this morning, I'm like, thank you, Lord, I can think. I've streaked in my legs to walk and air in my lungs. And man, I got both eyes that work. Isn't that great? I get to look at people I love. I get to read God's, just all of this stuff. Because Yahweh has been gracious to me. There's my identity. And yet they want to change it to the command of Aku, some Samaritan moon god. Culture, just by default, understands that it wants to change you, that it needs to change you. How about Mishael? They just, they just went easy on this one. Who is what God is? That's a great one. Who is what God is? Nobody's what God is. That's a reminder all the time. Hey, if, if me and God are together, nobody can beat me, right? But Meshach is who is as Aku is. Who is the as our God is. I don't know about you, but I would be a little bit discouraged. I'd be a little bit disgruntled if I'm living my life for God and you're trying to change my whole identity. Azariah. Azariah means Yahweh has helped me, and here's one of the rougher ones, Abednego. So many times we pronounce that Abednego, but it's actually Abednego. Nego was a Babylonian god, Nego, and that's the set slave or servant of Nego, Abednego. They actually put the God's name in his name. I love it, though, as you read through Daniel, that Daniel records them by their original Hebrew names all through the first few chapters. He's fighting them. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not going to play that game. But here's what you, I want you to understand. The world, like these four, all four of these, the focus of all four of these is to take them from the, the Hebrew way of life, the Hebrew God, because everything in the Hebrew culture was surrounded by God and focused out of God, to take them to the Babylonian way of life, the Babylonian God. And how many of you know if you've tried to live for God in culture, that's exactly what culture tries to do for us. It tries to steer us in that direction, right? It tries to, are you all with me on that? It tries to drag us that way. It tries to change our identity and who we are. And my advice is, here's my advice. You better know exactly who this book says you are. Reason number 412 that you ought to be reading God's Word every day. Because you are an heir to the kingdom of God. I don't know if you heard that or not, but you're the heir. 
with Christ is what the Bible says. With the Son of God to the kingdom of God. The Bible says, greater is he in you than he that's in culture. It also said, if God is for you, then how can culture be against you? Y'all going to help me preach it all today or are you just going to listen? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's important for us to understand who our identity is, who God says I am. And listen, it's important to continue to read because it took me a few months. It took me maybe a, a few years to allow myself to understand, like, yeah, I know you said, like, I'm an heir to the throne of Christ, an heir to the kingdom of God and all that, but, but me? Like, I'd be satisfied just being saved. And then you start learning what saved means. And then you start learning what saved is, who saved is, why saved is. And you start understanding and believing who God says you are. You are God's daughter. You are God's son. Can I tell you that you have a purpose in this life? And do not let the clickbait of culture drag you away and steer you away from what God has got designed for you. Amen. God knit you together in your mother's womb. Scripture tells us that he knew the plans before you ever drew your first breath. He knew the plans for your life. I read those things, and I understand he was talking about Jeremiah. I understand he was talking about different people at different times. But does that mean that God doesn't know me? He only knew Jeremiah? No, it's a principle that God knows who we are. He knows how many hairs are on my head, and not to impress me, but it's just to show me that I also know the thoughts in your heart. Like God knows you. He created you. Don't let anybody, no matter what they call you, don't let anybody ever cheat you out of your supernatural identity. Amen? Give your neighbor a fist bump and say, I got it. It's good stuff. And sometimes you have to fight it culture with culture. You know, you've seen my photos of when I was back in college, when I, when I got saved, I had hair about done this, about that far, all over. All my buddies, my lost friends, all, everybody that wasn't in church, that's, that's the Scott they knew. And it didn't take me a couple of months after living for Christ to realize as long as I looked the same, it was much harder to communicate the change for people. Now, it didn't had, my spirituality had nothing to do with my hair. I'm not saying that. God's not impressed or turned off by your outward looks. Let him work with your heart, and he'll fix anything that needs to be fixed. Amen? Let, work on the inside first. Let God worry about the outside. That's why we do it at South Point. We just follow his lead. He catches them. He cleans them. You know what I'm saying? A good fisherman that he is. Um, y'all can use that if you want. It's off one of my 90s T-shirts. But I remember being at my house, and uh, we were sitting outside, and one of my buddies drove by, and he came up and said, hey, y'all want to go party? Do you have any supplies? And just asked some questions that, man, it had been a couple of months since I'd been in the scene. You know what I mean? Since I'd been lost. I'd been living for God every day. And I said, no, man, uh, I'm really trying to live for God. I've changed, changed my life. And he said, oh, okay. You look the same. And I almost right-hooked him right in the jaw right there. I thought, wow, that was a test. And he was like, all right, see you later, and left. And I knew immediately what I wanted to do. The pastor didn't tell me I need to cut my hair. The little old ladies in church didn't say you need to cut your hair. Nobody said you need to cut your hair. But I knew to fight culture at this moment, I needed to project something that was a little different than the old Scott. And I remember going to the person that had been cutting my hair since I was in ninth grade and said, hey, I'm ready to cut it off. Like, give me a real short hairstyle. And she was like, nope, not doing it. And then I explained, I said, well, hey, I I understand. Like, we've kind of been working this thing for the last couple of years. I understand that. 
But let me tell you what I've been working the last couple of months. And got to explain to her what I'm trying to project. Something. So when somebody comes up to me, they go, why'd you, get, why'd you cut off all your hair? Now we're talking. Well, I cut it off because I'm trying to let everybody know that as my insides are changing, my outsides are too. And I'm just projecting I'm not the same Scott that I used to be. I'm not going to the same places, doing the same things, thinking the same thoughts, have the same goals as the Scott that you used to know. That make sense? Sometimes you just got to fight culture yourself. You got to project what you want to be. You got to let people know this is my identity. It's changed. There's something different about me. Amen? The second thing is verse 8. It says this, but Daniel, I just threw this in there a little extra. It's not in, your, not in your notes, but a little extra. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. It was, it, they had given him some food and drink that were not of his Jewish custom, and he said, do I have to do this? Can, can I abstain from it? We're going to read a little more in a minute, but here's what I wanted to set a foundation for you. Daniel didn't say, you guys eat like pagans. You guys don't serve Jesus. I don't want to be around y'all. I hate y'all's culture. It's from the devil. You know what Daniel said? I'm going to work on me. I'm going to work on me, and I'm going to stand out in this culture. Listen, I'm telling you, it's super hard to change culture. I don't even know if it's possible, unless you're Kanye West. You know what I'm saying? You can change it then. (laughs) But little old us, what Scripture shows me is I read through super tough chapters like chapter 1. When you put it in real world terms, these people were ripped out of their families, out of their countries, out of their cultures. What I do see is, though, that Daniel said, hey, can I have permission? Can I have permission to be different? Can I have permission to work on me? Can I have permission to be low counterculture? And that's why point number two is this, that culture, as we get into this, actually, culture will try to tame you. It'll try, it'll try to squelch your convictions a little bit. It'll try to dumb you down just a little bit. It'll try to take that little old Jesus edge off. You know what I'm saying? Like, Woo, you're so strict. You're so Jesus. You're so religious. Let's, let's sand that down a little bit. Elbow your religious neighbor, all right? Listen to verse 9. So now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. You understand? Like there's, there's a real conflict here. Sometimes culture is dangerous. Changing culture is dangerous. Engaging culture is dangerous. It's dangerous with you may lose friends. You may ruffle some feathers. I'm not saying go into it trying to ruffle feathers. We just covered that in verse 8, right? But sometimes you have to understand, listen, if everybody's going this way and I'm going to turn around and start swimming this way, there may be a little bumping going on. Just the way it is. Let's keep, let's keep moving. Verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief had appointed, uh, appointed, who the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know, he threw in the Hebrew names. Please test your servants for 10 days. Woo! Come on, there's some preaching right there. Please test us. You don't think I've changed? Watch me. Check me out. Hold me to some high standards. Watch how I live my life. Watch how I talk, the things I watch, the places I go. How many of you would tell your friends that? Hey, would y'all judge me, please? Most of us do not want to be judged. But that's exactly what Daniel's saying. Let's, let's test this. 
let us live the way we want to live for God in the way that we eat and drink and take care of ourselves. And then let's look. Let, let's keep going. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables. Everybody say yuck. To eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. What? Can I tell you, like, that? that's having some guts right there. Test us. Test us and see how it happens. Now, I'm going to say something, and I want you to understand that I'm not a jerk. Okay? In a minute, we're going to read that 10 days later, they looked up and there was some good stuff. They saw a difference, right? Can I just tell you, like, I've been living for God more than half of my life, 26 years. And I have, out of the 118 I graduated with, I have about 90 of them as friends on Facebook. I'm not judging any of them. I'm not judging any of them. But I can tell you those 8 or 10 or 12 buddies that I ran with in high school and college that haven't changed a lick for God in the last 25 years, can I tell you that I can set my life next to their life and no glory to me at all, 100% to God, but I can tell just by looking that there's a difference in these two lives. And I know, I know somebody, you, please don't take that and misconstrue it. I don't, I'm not being arrogant on that, but what I'm saying is, test me. Test me. Test me. If, if, if I'm not going to the same places, doing the same thing, I'll never forget going back to my 10-year reunion and all the stuff of these buddies that had, some of them had been in prison. Some of them had had a record and committed some big crimes. I remember one of them said, I'm on marriage number four. And I was thinking, 10 years, marriage number four. And he was flirting with other girls there at the 10-year reunion. And, and all I was thinking is, thank you, God, that you saved me out of this. Because I'd be right where they were. I'm not judging them. I'm, I'm just as smart as they are. It's just somebody at some time shared their faith with me and said, Scott, God's got a plan for you too. Do you understand? Like there's a difference when you look at people that have walked with God that have said, hey, I'm not going to eat the same things. I'm not going to drink the same things. I'm not going to go to the same places. I am going to follow what God wants me to do in my life. Amen? I'm not going to let the clickbait of culture drag me away from God here and drag me away from God there and drag me away from God here and drag me away from God there. And now listen, all of us have mistakes. I have a dump truck full. I don't preach them all. I'm not going to lay them all out before you. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. But I'm just saying that with each of our lives, you buckle down and follow God and you look up in five years or ten years and you can say, I, I see the difference, Lord. I see the difference where my life was going before you and my life was going after you. Amen? Number three, because culture will try to claim you too. L listen to this. Culture will try to claim you. Daniel chapter 1, verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine that they, they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, everybody say God. 
God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could, Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And if you keep reading the book of Daniel, that paid off in their life later. I, I just wonder. It doesn't say this. But after reading Scripture, understanding trends and characteristics of God, I just wonder if them making the right choice paved the way for God's blessing in their life. Have you ever seen that happen with somebody? Like, well, what? they're already in church. They're already living for God. Why would God bless them? Because they know what to do with it. They know how to do with it. Right? It used to drive me nuts when I would watch people, and I'm like, he's already got a church of 40 billion. Send us a few hundred. I'm like, God rewards those who put him first. The Bible says that we reap what we sow. Maybe it's that. Maybe, maybe it's just Daniel's making good decisions and right decisions and instead of the culture trying to claim him. You see, about two months after I became a Christian, I'd cut my hair. And listen, me and my roommates, I had three best, three good friends. There's four of us that ran around together. We went fishing all the time. We probably fished more days than not through high school and through college. We just loved it. We did all kinds of extracurricular activities with it also. You know what I'm saying? We'd go by the store, grab us a 12-pack or a case and head to the pond or the lake or whatever. That was our life. We just loved doing that. A couple of months have gone by. Scott's real scarce. Didn't show up a whole lot. You know, get to see him every now and then. I've already moved out, got my own apartment, not hanging out with the fellas a lot, really trying to live for God. And one of them calls me, and me and Jenny are dating at the time, so it was maybe three months in, and we're at my dad's house, and he calls my dad's house, hey, man, the fellas were fixing to go fishing. You want to go? And I was like, oh, I would love to go. I hadn't been fishing in three months. I haven't hang out, hung out with these guys, get all my stuff together, got clearance from the girlfriend, ready to go. I remember he, they pull up, Jeff's got a big, about a, 85 Bronco is one of my favorite vehicles ever. We get in, or he opens the door, and I start to get in, and I just see a couple of 12-packs sitting in the floor. And I just go, Whoop. and I said, hey, fellas, um, golly, I'm sorry, man. I hate, hate, hate this, but I better not go. And they look down, and they're like, no, that's not for you. We're not going to let you drink. This is just for us. Yeah, I've been down this road before. The one when you promise and that one beer, you, you're still good with that. And two beers, you start gigging me a little bit. And about three beers in, it is, you're going to drink or we're going to kill you. You know, something like that. And the pressure comes. I said, I just, I can't do it. And I never forget, like, I won't name his name, but one of my buddies just looked at me and goes, really? And he didn't understand. He didn't understand that I understand. It's not you, but culture is trying to claim my life. I'm not saying that 12-pack's the devil, but it's a slippery slope for me. I already know this. I've been around this block before, and I have to say, can I please abstain from this? Can I not go? And can I tell you, it was one of the hardest things the first couple of months that I ever did just to say no to that. All three of those guys didn't understand. Sometimes I wonder if I made a mistake, but I guarantee you it was the right direction in my life. 
I had to put myself in the environments without judging anybody else so that I could grow in my faith. I didn't want culture or my friends accidentally to drag me away and claim my faith instead of me. Let's keep reading. Last passage right here. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, and here we go, ten times better than all of the magicians and all of the enchanters in his whole kingdom. Listen, if there's anything that I can learn from this passage, these 20 or so scriptures, is that culture out there, Outside these walls, outside my house is constantly trying to change my life. It is trying to get me to drop my convictions and what I believe. Even though they may not be wrong, they may not be a sin, but it's, it's where my life is going. And it is constantly trying to claim me for them. It's wanting to change my identity. It's wanting to change what I believe. And church, can I tell you that you have the strength in you. The Bible says he is greater. The one that is in you is greater than the one that's in the world, the one that's inside you, the Holy Spirit, what you said, you know what, I'm going to follow Christ. The Bible says that you get a deposit is what it calls it. It's the Holy Spirit living in you that helps you with discernment, these matters of wisdom, understanding which way I should go, what things I should close the door on, what things I should walk right through and say okay on. There are things in your life that you can't handle. There are things that you can, and the Holy Spirit knows better than you. And it will help you. It will walk you through life. It will help you understand. It will help your ears get sensitive to his voice, his direction, his will and way for your life. Two questions at the very end that I want us to ask ourselves. One, will I change the world or will the world change me? It's one of my first questions that I had put to me. Scott, you got to make that decision. Are you going to let this... Every environment didn't change you because that's the way I'd lived for the last 23 years. I just morphed into whatever environment I went into. I became the fun guy, the party guy, the loud guy, wherever I was at. Am I, am I going to continue that road or I am going to set forth my standards? I am going to change the world. We have to answer that in our own lives. And the second question is this. Will my identity in this world, will it come from God or will it come from the world? Will it come from what? God's word says about his people. Or will it come from what my boss says? Will it come from what my spouse said or my ex-spouse says? Will it come from what my neighbors say? Will it come from what culture tells me? Or will I believe and I have faith in and put my life in what God says about me? Listen, it's the last message in this series. And I pray if anything through this series, it just helps us to be aware that there's a real enemy out there. And he's got algorithms that Google has no idea of trying to figure us out, trying to draw us out at 6th grade, 10th grade, at 25, when we're single, when we're married, when we're young, when we're old. He knows all those algorithms of life and what can pull us away from what we really believe. But I cannot tell you that it's God's plan for you to have your identity in Him. From the very beginning, it's God's plan. It's God's design that you would follow Him. 
and that you would learn in your life, that you would test God and you would learn by following him. You'd be able to look back at other people without judging them. But see, they didn't follow God and look how their life turned out. And I did follow God and look how my life turned out. Does that make sense? And I even look at my, my kids now and I'm like, I'm so thankful. My kids have lived a 180 degree different life than me. They've never known what I knew growing up. Praise God. I can see another harvest in their lives. And it's for every person on the planet. God says, plant those good seeds. Plant those good seeds. Plant those good seeds. And what happens is the harvest comes up and people go, hey, how'd you get those? And that's our opportunity. And I'm just trying to follow God. I'm just trying to do what Jesus tells me to do. It's super hard sometimes and it's super easy sometimes. But I'm not going to let culture drag me away from the promises of God. Amen? Let's pray that God would help us, since we're done with this series, that God would help us see the clickbait in our life, in culture, in the world, in our, in our hobbies, in our jobs, and that, that that clickbait would not drag us away, that we'd be wise enough to see it and negotiate around it. Lord, we are so thankful for you, so thankful for your word. It teaches us your ways. It's amazing that a story 2,500 years ago about four little Hebrew young men can inspire us, can teach us so much. I pray that today your spirit would help our hearts to understand our minds, our souls, to understand that you have a plan for each one of us, that you have a will for each one of us to live for you, to love you and the people that you call yours. Lord, I pray from this day forward that you would teach us, let our eyes see, let our minds become wise and understand the clickbait in our lives. It's constantly there. I feel like I can never take a day off. I take half a day off, it seems like it creeps into my life. I pray that you'd keep us aware, that your spirit would give us the power and the courage to say no. That you'd give us direction, wisdom, and understanding. To overcome, to believe our identity in you, to understand it, to know it, to trust it. And from this day forward, Lord, that we're going to take big, bold steps into our faith with you. With your eyes still closed, let me ask you one more question. If there's somebody here today and you're not living for Christ, can I tell you that there's not a better day on this planet than right now today? You're surrounded by... People who love you may not even know you, but they care for you. They have put their faith in Christ, and we're all in this together. None of us are perfect, but we're all going the same direction. And if you're in this room and you've not chosen to open up your life and give your life to Christ, today can be the day. While I pray one more prayer for you, if that's you, if you'll just tell him, say, Lord, that's me. That's me. Today I'm opening my life, giving it to you. Come in. Be my Savior, my best friend, and teach me your ways. As I pray, will you pray that? Lord, we're so thankful for you that no matter where we've been or what we've done in life, there's always hope. There's always redemption. There's always room for another prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. So, Lord, we pray for anybody in this room today that doesn't know you, that your spirit would open up their hearts and their minds right now and allow them to open up their life and invite you in to be their Lord, their Savior, 
their best friend, to walk with them and teach them your ways that your spirit would guide them in life, that you'd forgive them of their past, the shame and the guilt that comes with that, and that you would give to them a joy that comes from the promises of being an heir to the kingdom of God, to having a, being a child of God, to having the hope and the purpose that comes from knowing you. Lord, we're so thankful for you. And we ask that you would help them to know you. It's in your name that we pray, and everyone said, Amen.